0: Hey guys, good morning. Are you doing all right? Everybody awake? Alive? Feeling good? Ready to get into the Word together? Man, I'm excited. I'm always excited when I feel like I've got a good message. I heard a story one time about a lady who came into a church, and uh, she was greeted by the hospitality team. And by the way, doesn't our hospitality team do a great job? greeting people, getting people in and out, making people feel friendly. Well, this lady came into the church, and she was looking for a seat. And one of the ushers met her and said, Ma'am, can I help you find a seat? She said, Yes, I'd like to sit on the front row. And the man said, uh, Sir, or he said, Ma'am, I'm sorry, you, you really don't want to sit on the front row. She said, We have a good pastor, but he is the worst preacher you have ever heard he is so boring you don't want to sit down on the very front and uh, she looked at him kind of sternly and asked sir do you know who I am and he said well no I don't she said I am the pastor's mother (laughs) and he asked her ma'am do you know who I am and she said no I don't know your name he said thank God and just walked away Well, I'm hoping at the end of today's message that you won't walk away going, wow, we have one really boring preacher, but we'll just have to see, okay? If you have your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. Today we're going to be in verses 5 through 15. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible with you, don't panic because we're going to have the Scripture passages up on the screen. You can already see that some of them are coming up there. Also, if you will reach inside of your bulletin, You will see a green sheet that is message notes for the day. All the scripture passages are there. There's some fill-in-the-blanks on the back. The way we like to say this is that you're going to get to learn some things that will have some take-home value for your life today. And then if you don't have a Bible at all, on your way out, we have what we call a next steps kiosk. And inside that, which is really just like a bookshelf thingy with wheels on the bottom, it's got Bibles in it. On your way out, you don't even have to stop. You don't have to speak to anybody you can if you want to. You can just reach up there, grab a Bible, and keep on getting it. Just take it like you stole it, okay? Although you didn't because it's our gift to you, right? All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. And let me ask you to do something we don't do every Sunday, but I just feel like doing it this morning because I'm going to ask you to help me read here in just a minute. But let's stand this morning just in honor of God's Word. I hate to get you up and down so much, but... That will help keep you warm. Here we go, Matthew chapter 6. And this is not the part that you're reading on. I'll I'll, I'll let you know when we get there. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Now, when Jesus is talking about the hypocrites, you need to know that the people he's talking to are the religious leaders who are gathered up in that crowd. Some of them right out in the middle of the crowd, some of them on the edges of the crowd, but he's talking to the religious people. The crowd knows who he's talking to, and the religious guys know who Jesus is talking to. These are the guys that like to put on a really big show whenever they pray. Verse 6, But when you pray, well, I'm sorry. The rest of verse 5 is, Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. See, these guys think that they get extra points with God if they just really put on a big show about how much they love God and make a big deal about their praying. All right, you with me? Verse 6, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their Many words. In other words, these are prayers that the people just, um, they write their formal prayers. And I say write, I don't mean R-I-G-H-T. I I mean they R-I-T-E them down. They write these prayers out. And so they have a formal prayer for this and a formal prayer for that. And it's just words eventually that they just read off or they just say out loud, but they don't really mean a whole lot. It's kind of like when, uh, when you learn how to pray. Maybe your first prayers were, um, um, how, how does the blessing go when you're a kid? God, Yeah, I'm just, can you believe the preacher forgot that? God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Bye. See, you know it. The problem is a lot of adults still pray that way. Or maybe you graduated when you were in middle school to a prayer that went something like rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay God, yay God. Neither of those are good.
1: Jesus says, do not be like them,
0: for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. He says in verse 9, this then is how you pray. And this is what we call the Lord's Prayer, and I want you to read this out loud with me. And then Jesus gives this, and I'll, I'll just read this and you listen along. But in verses 14 and 15, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let me pray for us, and then you can be seated. God, I pray that for the next few minutes, you would just help us to be able to focus on you and to think through prayer and how to make a deep connection with you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. You can be seated. Let me tell you a little bit about what is going on, sort of the context for this passage. This comes out of a larger teaching that Jesus has given called the Sermon on the Mount. How many of you have heard of the Sermon on the Mount? Just raise your hands. The group of people that Jesus is talking to are Jewish people, and they are mostly religious people. But here's the thing. For the last 500 or more years, religion has taken over relationship. Now, I want you to listen in tight on this. I want you to make sure you get this, because if you don't hear it, then everything else might not make as much sense. God is about having a personal relationship with people. Okay? God wants to have a personal relationship with you. He wanted to have a personal relationship with the people in the Old Testament and the 500 or so years uh, uh, between the Testaments, between the Old Testament and New Testament. The problem is, again, people had set aside the relationship and turned their relationship into meaningless ritual. And so what has happened is that they are living with the drama of a disconnect. So they're not connected With God. The heart is not there. It's not genuine. It's not real. It's not authentic. And so, what God or what Jesus is doing in the whole Sermon on the Mount, and in particular with these verses that we've looked at this morning, is he's trying to help people who know about God become reconnected with God. Are you with me? Are you tracking? To reconnect with God. Now, here's the situation. I realize that we have some folks in here right now and maybe some some folks listening to our podcast out on the website who have never connected with God in relationship. At the end of today's message, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. But also what I know is that we have a larger group of people in, in, in this congregation who feel disconnected with God. And that could be for a number of reasons. Maybe, maybe it's because you're holding on to some pet sin in your life. There, there's something that you know needs to be pushed out of your life. Maybe it's a relationship, or maybe, again, it's some kind of sin that is keeping you from being connected with God. Or, or maybe it's um, some other kind of, of problem. Maybe you've turned going into church Uh, into just something that you do as part of the motions of being a person of faith, but you feel a disconnect. Well, in this series that we're calling RE, we're talking about how to remodel our lives, how to remove some things that need to be removed or how to replace some things. Today, I want to teach you how to reconnect with God. Now, here's the thing. When Jesus and teaching us how to pray and how to connect with God, when he gives us what we call the Lord's Prayer, he gives us a pattern for how to pray. For how to pray. Not a pattern for what to pray. In other words, it's fine to memorize the Lord's Prayer and repeat it at different times. Just like yesterday, we had a wedding in our church, and I prayed the Lord's Prayer in this In this wedding ceremony. And that's great. There's not anything wrong with that. But Jesus is not saying, here's what you pray, but this is how you pray. Are you still
1: with me? He gives
0: six parts of what I'm calling the framework for prayer and reconnecting with God. If I give you all six today, we'll be here for an hour and a half. So instead, I'm going to give you three today and three next week, okay? Are you ready? You got your notes out? Ready to dig in? Here is the first part of prayer and reconnecting with God. When you pray, begin with praise. That's what Jesus does. When when Jesus opens his prayer, when he says this then is how you should pray. In other words, don't pray like those guys Don't pray the way I've been talking about, the way the pagans do it. That doesn't help you. That doesn't let you connect with God. This is how you should pray. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What Jesus is teaching us here is that when we approach God, listen, we must remember that God is holy. He should be revered and respected as well as loved and worshiped. And our prayer should begin with our praise to and of God. So what is praise? What is it? Praising God in your prayers just means thanking Him for who He is and what He's done in your life.
1: It just means thanking
0: God. It just means thanking God it means thanking God for the small things. It means thanking God for the things that you would consider to be big in your life. And can I tell you that normally what we think is small is really big and what we think is big is really small? Like when I say big things, some of you are thinking about your job, but I would say maybe the big thing is the air in your lungs right now. You can find a job But once everything stops working in here, the things we take for granted, just the ability to breathe, just the fact that we're here today, then we have real problems, right?
1: There are two things about God
0: that I think make him worthy of our praise. Here they are. The first one is that God is personal. You notice how Jesus starts this prayer. He doesn't say, Oh, gracious, wonderful, almighty, illustrious, potentate. He, he doesn't start by using all of the Greek and Hebrew forms of God's names. He simply starts by saying, You are Father. Jesus says when we pray, we need to remember that Jesus, or that God is personal He's personal. He's personal. We can go to God, our Father, in prayer in the same way that our children can come and speak to us. Yes, God is to be revered. Yes, God is great. Yes, God is holy. But He's also approachable because He's personal. And then the second thing is that He cares about us.
1: That's a new one for a lot of people. I ought to
0: think that God cares for us, really. That's what God does. God cares for people. God actually likes people and cares for them. As you guys know, we have missionaries that we support in other parts of the world. We have children that we sponsor through World Vision. And uh, we also have missionaries, John and Jen Quast, who are in Paraguay. We're not their soul partners. Actually, we're not for any of these missionaries, but we, we support them. they're reaching to, out to an unreached people tribe who have never had the Bible interpreted in their language. It's quite amazing. And then Richard and Megan Harrell, who are in Lesotho, and if you talk with missionaries who deal with people who are from primitive cultures, one of the things that you learn is that they have gods for everything. They have gods for everything in creation. They have gods for the sun. They have gods for the moon. They have gods for the water. They have gods for just about everything. And these people are consumed with trying to appease these self-serving people Gods who really don't care anything for them. And sometimes these people groups will go to the extremes of sacrificing their children to these gods. And these gods are cruel. I'll give you an example from Greek mythology. There was a time when human beings did not have the ability to make fire. I mean, think about that just for a minute. That, that means, well, first of all, you don't have central air and heating, right? So when it's cold, it's just cold. But you can't even make a fire to warm yourself around it, right? I mean, that's pretty bad. But can you imagine not having a piece of grilled, cooked meat? These people had no creature comforts. Well, there was a God, again, this is Greek mythology, but there was a God named Prometheus who had the ability to make fire and he gave it to the people as a gift. When Zeus, who was the king of the gods, found out about it, he was livid. And he punished Prometheus. He tied a chain around him and anchored him to a rock in the middle of the Adriatic Sea where he was tortured with heat and thirst all day and freezing cold at night. Then he prepared a vulture that would go and eat the liver of Prometheus until it was gone. Then once it was gone, it grew back, and the vulture would come and eat it again And this was to go on for eternity. And why? Because this lower God felt compassion for human beings. He wanted to do something nice for them. And so he's being punished for eternity. Let me tell you something. The pagan gods, whether they are the pagan gods of the Old Testament or pagan religions of today, you fill in the blank of the God. And they are self-serving. They don't care about human beings. They don't care about our plight. And the only time they would even consider intermingling with us would be for their own personal gain. So think about that in this context. Jesus says, when you pray to the God, Call him Father. And he already knows what your needs are even before you pray to him. Our God is personal
1: and he cares. And
0: that's reason enough to praise him. When you pray, when you're trying to connect with God, it's a relationship, it's communication. And it should start with you saying something like, God, you are awesome, and this is why.
1: Here's the second part of prayer. When
0: you pray, yield your will to God's will. Jesus goes on to say, your kingdom come, and he's talking about, this is capital Y-O-U-R, this is God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let, let, Let me tell you, let me tell you guys something. We have built a church on telling people that God has created every single person with a purpose, that God has a plan for your life. And if you're in here, I know most of our middle schools or schoolers are somewhere else, but if you're in high school, if you're college age, if you're 90 years old and above, God has a plan for your life. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how long you've been doing it, and no matter what's been done to you, God has a plan and a will for your life. But let me tell you something. Most of us waste our lives trying to live out plan B rather than plan A. How do you find plan A? How do you know what God's will is for your life? Well, the problem in finding God's will for our lives is that most of us want to think long-term. Most of us want to think about just the big things, like, um, God, where do you want me to go to college? Who do you want me to marry? What do you want me to do for a living? Where do you want us to live? What is the five-year plan? What is the 10-year plan? And what I've learned is that when God wants to give you those things, Most people don't have enough faith or um, belief in God and trust in him to be able to um, do what he wants us to do. And the reason for that is that we don't trust God on a daily basis. Jesus says the way to find God's will and his purpose for your life is to start by waking up every day and said, God, today I pray that your will would be done in my life. Show me what you want me to do Today,
1: today. I had a
0: meeting this week with one of our high school students and her mom. She's a senior high school, graduates this spring, goes to college in the fall. And uh, she wants to go on a mission trip this summer. She wants to go on a serious mission trip. And I say a serious mission trip because a lot of mission trips are done through mission-sending groups where it's really just become Christian travel. You know, where do you want to go? Okay, we can get you You know, to the Bahamas, and uh, which people in the Bahamas need Jesus. Let me tell you something. Some of the poorest people on the planet are in the Bahamas, but you spend two days doing some mission projects, and then you spend seven or eight days hanging out on the beach. That's not really a mission trip. At least it's not what this girl is interested in. She said, I want to go somewhere where I can be there too. maybe three weeks. I want to kind of be the oddball. I want to get in and learn their culture. I want to help people. And specifically, she wants to work with elderly people, which I think is pretty great because when I go into assisted living homes, um, and I've done this before where my son James goes with me. James is the hit. They, they, they love young people. They love kids. In our conversation, she said something like this. She said, I want to find my purpose for my life in serving other
1: people. See, that's it.
0: That's it. I I can't tell you where she'll go to college. I don't think she exactly knows where she wants to go to college. I don't know if she'll be a doctor or a lawyer or if she'll... Uh, be secretarial support staff in a company or registrar in a doctor's office. I don't know what she will do with her life. But if she keeps thinking that way, I will find my purpose in serving other people. She will find God's will for her life because that is God's will for her life. It's God's will for her life. It's God's will for our lives. Every day when we wake up, we should pray something like this. God, show me someone to serve. We should ask God to help us pick our words so that we can talk to people like Jesus would talk to them. Every day when we wake up, we should ask God to guide our steps by saying, God, you show me where you want me to go. I know I'm going to work. I'm going to work. So I have this job to do, but as I'm going through the day, where do you want me to go eat lunch? Who do you want me to have a conversation with? Who is it that needs just something of kindness from me? God, teach me how to be generous to other people. And when I say generous, I don't mean that you just walk around and you give people $100 bills. But that would be fun, wouldn't it? Especially if you felt like you had money where you could just hand out $100 bills but I'm talking about the simple things where you give smiles, where you give warm words, where you just have good conversation with people. Ask God to show you people who just need kindness. Ask God to show you the kids at school who don't have anybody to sit with. Become a friend to the friendless. There are opportunities every day for you to experience the kingdom of God being lived out on planet Earth. It's all around you. And you tap into it when you start your day by saying, God, you show me where to go. It's not going to be about me today. It's going to be about you living in me today. And then finally, when you pray,
1: trust God with your worries. Jesus says, give us today our daily
0: bread. Bread represents life's necessities, our physical needs, our material needs. And Jesus says, don't worry about them, pray about them. The amazing thing that happens whenever we pray and we're trusting God for the things that we need in our lives every day is that The things that we feel like we need and the worry gets smaller and smaller because God gets bigger and bigger and bigger in our lives. Philippians 4.19, which I don't think is in your outline. It's not. Just jot it out to the side. You can look it up later. But it says, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Can I teach you something
1: that maybe you don't know?
0: The word that Matthew uses in, in Jesus' prayer for daily
1: is the word epiousius. Kind of weird. But it's epiusius. And
0: that word is not found anywhere else In the New Testament, in fact, when of course the Bible is written, or the New Testament is written in Greek, the word epiusius is not written in any other Greek literature that can be found. And so scholars, until 1945, thought that Matthew just made up the word. Until some Bedouin children playing in some caves near the Dead Sea in the Qumran Valley. While they were playing, one of them threw a rock. He was expecting to hear it hit the ground or hit the wall, but instead he heard the breaking of pottery. They went to figure out or find out what it was, and he found these ancient scrolls, many of them, that have been preserved in clay pots. Turns out that these are some of the oldest manuscripts we have of the Old Testament and things that were going on at the time when they were written. They were collected by the Essene community. Remember the guy, John the Baptist, that we've been learning a lot about here lately? John the Baptist was a part of this Essene community. The Romans came in, killed all these people, destroyed them, but before they killed them, these Essenes had gone into the caves and they had hid these documents, these scrolls in this pottery, hoping them to preserve them for future generations. Well, while, and yeah, we have, oh yeah, here's the cave. Thank you, thank you, Chris. This is, uh, this is the desert uh, around the Dead Sea. That's the Qumran Valley. And if you look up there, about middle ways up, you can see the cave. Well, there are lots of these caves. And then we have uh, another picture. These are pictures I took this past year when I was in the Holy Land. And that's actually going into the caves. And they have all the caves documented where they found different things. Well, in this cave, they found what amounts to a shopping list. And on that shopping list, they found the word that Matthew uses for daily, and it's epiusius. It's a category of things that you get from the market. And it represents just these daily perishable items. And these people didn't have refrigerators, so they had no way of keeping things, uh, you know, preserving some things from one day to the next. And so here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that we should pray to God that he will give us the things in our lives that we need for today and not worry about them. God wants us to pray,
1: not worry. So let me ask you a question. What are you worried about this morning? What are you struggling with?
0: What do you need? Do you need more time? Do you need more energy? Is there some kind of financial deficit in your life? What do you need?
1: Do you need more faith? Do you need courage? What do you
0: need? My challenge for you today and your next step is that you would pray about these things. I'm not telling you not to be concerned. Wouldn't that be unrealistic for me to just say, hey, just go through life and not have one concern about anything. We know that that's not reality. That's not life. What Jesus is saying is that don't let the worry over things steal the joy from your life. trust God with those things. Well, Jimmy, what do I trust God with? I mean, because I have these needs in my life, but when I watch television, I see that there are so many other needs going on in the lives of people. I mean, people are dealing with bigger things than what I'm dealing with. There are people in the world who don't have enough to eat. There are homeless people. There are people who are losing their jobs, losing their homes. And I just think those things are bigger than this. What I've learned in my own life as a Christian, not just as a pastor, but as a Christian, if it's big enough for you to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. Pray about these things and trust God for them. So what are you
1: worried about today? Let's pray about them.
0: But I don't want you to just send you off and say, hey, everybody go home and you pray about these things. I want to pray about them with you. And so
1: here's what I want to ask you to do. Let's all stand together. We'll say a prayer for the kids over in River Kids. That sounded like a blood-curdling scream to me. I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm getting older, and I'm a little bit old-fashioned.
0: I'm old-fashioned enough to still believe in an altar. And so I want to invite you to come to the altar for prayer. It's something that maybe you're worried about. Maybe it's a health problem. Maybe it's something in a relationship. Maybe it's some daily provision that you need in your life. Maybe you're worried about someone else. So maybe you just want to come and stand for them. Maybe you're here this morning. and You've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so you just need to come this morning so that we can pray for you and help you receive Jesus. Dear me, come on up. Without further delay, I just want to invite you to come and stand in the altar for prayer. You don't have to say a thing, but just come and stand. If you need to be here this morning in prayer, again, if it's for you, if it's for someone else, if it's for some deficiency that you have in your life, you just need... God, to touch you in some way, then I want you to come. There's still others coming. Let's begin praying. Listen, we don't need to make a laundry list of what the needs are. Scriptures have already told us this morning that God knows what we need even before we ask Him. But there is a faith decision that we make when we ask God to answer our prayers. And so that's what we're doing this morning. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. And so let's pray for you first. Just pray this way. You don't have to pray out loud. You can say these things in your heart and mind, but God will hear you when you pray. Just say something like this. God, today, I'm trusting you as my Lord and Savior. And in the best way I know how,
1: I'm giving my life to you. And you say, God, I don't know everything that it means to follow you but I want to do my best. But I want a relationship with You. So I ask You to forgive me of my sins.
0: And Jesus, come into my life right now and You be the leader of my life. Fill me with Your Holy Spirit. Give me the courage to begin praying every single day, God, I want to do Your will in my life. And now for your worries, whether you're here in this altar or you're standing by your chairs. Maybe you are listening to this out on the website, but you found us today. Really, I would say God found you today. And so I want to pray over your worries as well. God, I lift up all of these concerns, no matter what they are. You know what they are. We don't have to spell them out. You know. You know what we need, whether it's a financial issue or a broken relationship. Maybe it's the worry over a child or parents.
1: Whatever that may be, we give it to you. We
0: lift it up to you. We trust you with it. We can't help but to be concerned, but I pray that you would take away The worry. You teach us in the Gospel of Matthew to give you our burdens and take on your burdens. We're not strong enough to carry our own burdens, but you are. And so I pray that not just symbolically by being in this altar, but absolutely, literally, we would give our worry to you and trust you today and tomorrow and the next day, and the next day. And if we get off track one of those days, help us to get right back on track and start that day, and then the next day, and the next day. God, thank you for loving us and for caring about us. Thank you for giving us a church family.
1: It's not perfect. But thank you for it.
0: Thank you mostly for Jesus. We gather our family around. It's in His name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Listen, I'm going to dismiss you from right here. You're dismissed. Thank you for being here. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for giving. Our ushers will be at the doors. Make sure you leave your connection cards with us. But God bless you.